Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Good morning. It's great to have you with us uh, today. We're also uh, glad to be joined with uh, Vallejo, uh, our Vallejo campus. I was actually with you guys last weekend, and it was a great time um, seeing you all in person. I missed some of you. Uh, others of you, not so No, I'm kidding. Um, it's just great to, to come together as a church family, that we can do that in two campuses. So we're glad you're with us, Vallejo, and uh, those of you joining us online as well. We are in a series um, through the book of John. We're taking the summer through 14 weeks. Um, and walking together through the gospel of John. And the reason we're doing this is that as you follow through the whole gospel, as you follow the life and ministry of Jesus, you learn about God. That's what John said actually at the very beginning, the introduction to his gospel. He said that the reason that Jesus came was to make God known. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to get to know God, get to know Jesus. If you will move in the direction of Jesus, if you will follow Jesus, you will get to know God. And, uh, and what I love about John's gospel is he, he does something a little bit different. Matthew, Mark, and Luke concentrate on the big uh, preaching events, the, the big uh, healing events that Jesus did. But, but John actually gives us more of a backstage tour, if you will, um, because he was one of those three closest followers of Jesus. And he had access to some conversations that the other disciples didn't necessarily get to see. And so when you read through John's gospel, you see these personal interactions that Jesus has with a number of people like Nicodemus or like the woman at the well and and others like that. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about something else that John says in the beginning of his gospel. He says that Jesus came full of grace and truth, that if you want to know about God, what you see in Jesus is full of grace and truth, not a little bit of grace and a lot of truth or a lot, a little bit of truth and a lot of grace that there was, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, there's this tension that we live in as followers of Jesus, this tension of grace and truth. You don't take one to avoid the other. They are both a part of who Jesus is and a part of who we are. And here's the thing that we talked about last couple weeks ago, that when you live with that tension of grace and truth, what you're going to find out is it gets messy because grace is messy. In fact, I came across this term a couple of years ago. Someone had written a book and the title of the book is Messy Grace. And I thought that just perfectly describes it. And so today we're going to look at another one of those personal encounters of someone whose life was a mess and how Jesus brought grace into it. So if you want to follow along, we're in John chapter 9. Um, and uh, it's, it's actually a rather, the whole chapter is just this one encounter, and it's rather long, so we're going to jump right into it, and I'm going to do some skipping around. So if you want to follow me, we're going to begin in verse 1. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, others said, no, he only looks like him, but he himself insisted, I am the man. 
Then how were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. And then on the day that Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Verse 18. And they still did not believe that he had been blind and that he had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is he the one they, is this the one they say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. Now, his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. So a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he was a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. And we'll skip down to verse 35 because there's a lot of debate going on back and forth, back and forth. In fact, at one point, they keep asking him, how did this happen? How did this happen? And he just simply says, you know, you're asking a lot of questions. Do you want to be his followers too? Which, of course, didn't sit well with them. And so they threw him out of the synagogue. So in verse 35, it says, when Jesus... uh, Jesus heard that he had been thrown out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me that I might believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Now, if this wasn't so sad, it would actually be comical. Because all of the debate that's going on, because nobody can figure out What's going on here? And how did this happen? And how could he have done this? Um, and, be, and, it, and it just gets really, really messy because Jesus doesn't fit their little God box. And, and, and that's the way it is with grace. Grace doesn't fit in a neat, neat little box. Grace is messy. So today I want to talk to you about messy grace and why grace is messy. And, and in this, I hope that you will understand that there is something here for you and for me. Because we all have our own little messes. Grace is messy because grace meets people in the mess of their lives. I mean, truthfully, haven't you noticed this? People are messy. I'm a mess. You are a mess. We all have our own little mess. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're messy. You're a mess. Yeah, because we all are. There's uh, actually a very popular phrase right now. Um, you probably heard this, a hot mess. Hot mess. Hot mess. You've heard that. Do you, have, you know where that comes from? That's actually, that, that goes all the way back to the 1800s. Now, it didn't mean the same thing in the 1800s that it does today. Did anybody have a guess as to what it meant in the 1800s? It, it actually referred to a meal. Like the mess hall or a mess kit in the army. Okay, if you had a hot mess, that meant you got a hot meal that time. Okay, now, of course, it's changed its meaning a little bit right now. Um, now, when you talk about a hot mess, um, it's defined as an attractive disaster. 
which means on the outside things are looking pretty good, but they're barely under control, you know, or they're not, not really in control at all. They're a mess underneath the surface. Doesn't that really describe all of us? I mean, truthfully, you are either right now in the middle of a mess, or you're just coming out of a mess, or believe me, it won't be too long, you will be heading into a mess. Because <laughs> life is messy. We are messy people. The wonderful news, the good news is this, that God doesn't sit up in heaven and look and go, oh, what a mess. That the mess is the very reason Jesus came to this earth. He came right into the middle of our mess, the mess that we had made of things. See, that's the good news. The grace is messy because grace gets involved in the mess of our lives. In fact, it's the mess of our lives that makes grace necessary. God so loved the mess we made. <laughs> That he gave his one and only son. He loves us so much in our mess that he gave his one and only son. See, that's the gospel message. And what you find here in this instance is that Jesus, as he's traveling, comes across a man who's got a kind of a mess on his hands. His life is a mess. Now, it wasn't of his own doing. He was born this way. But, but his life is kind of a mess. Because he can't work, he can't fend for himself, he can't take care of himself. He's really just sitting and begging. That's his only source of income. And so much so that people have kind of just, they don't notice him anymore. But Jesus sees him and he stops and he heals him. Jesus gets down in the mess. In fact, he says, that's the very reason why he came. When his disciples have all of these questions about what's this man's problem and and what's going wrong with him and why did this all happen, Jesus instead stops and heals because Jesus lived with that sense of mission. He came to fix the mess. And so when Jesus does this, he says this, as long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, what I want you to focus in on is this we up here. Because Jesus is doing the healing. Jesus is doing the fixing. But he includes them in this whole thing. Because what he's saying is, this isn't just my job. This is your job. That those of us who experience the grace of God have got to be extenders of the grace of God. Those of us who have had our mess cleaned up need to help other people with their messes. And that's the idea. He includes them in this. And if that's going to happen, then we have to change the way that we look at people. Back in the 90s, you may remember these. Um, there were a bunch of pictures that looked something like this. Anybody remember these? Anybody know what these are called? Magic Eye. Yes, my son had every Magic Eye book. I could not figure out how to make it work. He kept trying to get me. And finally, finally, I could see... Believe it or not, somewhere in the middle of this, there's a 3D image of a starfish. It looks like a mess of color, but it's really a 3D image. And that's the way it is with, with, um, with the magic eye books. You had to kind of stare at it, but you had to look past the, the picture that was there, the, the colors that were there. You had to see through that, and actually a 3D image would actually kind of pop up. Anybody ever not been able to find the 3D image? Yeah, it's not that easy. You probably won't be able to see it here. Go home, look it up. You can try it on your own. But the idea was this. 
you can't look at the image. You have to look through the image. And you kind of got to cross your eyes a little bit and blur them out a little bit. And then you could see clearly. And I think, I think if we're going to be extenders of God's grace in this world, if we're going to be able to help people and deal with our own mess, then we have to look at people through different eyes. We have to see people the way Jesus did. His neighbors, in fact, the whole community had kind of just come to ignore him. And we know that because we, when, when, they're, when he goes back home and he can see now, his neighbors can't figure out, is this the guy? No, he looks like the guy. No, no, he says, I am the guy. <laughs> they had just learned to pass on by. They didn't want to deal with his mess, but Jesus gets right in the mess. And he calls us to do the same. Imagine. Imagine how it would change the way people view the church if we, the church, got this one thing right. Instead of trying to figure out and fix blame or criticize, if we would just see the need and the pain below the mess. Because that's what Jesus did. Where the disciples wanted to have a theological discussion, Jesus took action. Because it's a lot easier to talk about grace than it is to actually extend grace. To extend grace, you have to get down and dirty. You have to get down in the mess. And that's what Jesus does. And in fact, it's kind of fitting that in fixing the mess, he makes a mess. Do you notice that? It says that after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, it's interesting that he makes a mess to fix the mess. But he also includes the man in part of the healing as well. And things are about to get a lot messier because he's healed, but that just creates a bigger mess. Because here's the other thing about grace. It's messy because it doesn't fit the rules and the formulas. And that's what drives everybody crazy. In fact, it goes all the way back to the disciples. They see this man, and then they look at him, and they see that he's, that he's hurting, that he's suffering, and their big question is, whose fault is this? That's what they say. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? In other words, where do we put the blame in this one? Why, why did this happen to him? And, and, and don't we still do that to this day? You know, we see somebody who's hurting and we say, boy, I wonder what they did to end up like that. Or, or even when we go through our own messy times in life, what's one of the first questions we ask? Why is this happening to me? God, what did I do to deserve this? Because we've got this picture of God that he's here to punish and, and, and to you know, to condemn and to beat us over the head when we mess up. And what Jesus brings is something completely different. See, they're operating on the assumption that sin equals suffering. So if you're suffering, there must be sin somewhere. You must have done something to deserve this. If you didn't, somebody did something to deserve this. And that's kind of the mentality that we work with. I remember back in the 80s when the, when the AIDS epidemic first hit. And there were so many people saying, this is God's judgment. God is bringing judgment now on this. Or, or when, um, I remember when the, the earthquake in San Francisco back in 89, and there were people on the, in the Bible belt saying, God is bringing judgment on the city of San Francisco for their sin. Or when New Orleans had the, the, had the big flood, God's bringing judgment on that, sim, that sinful city of New Orleans. It's, it's, God's always bringing judgment. We're always trying to find the blame. And Jesus comes along and he says, that's not how it works. God is not a, work, a, God is not a God of condemnation. He is a God of grace. 
and it doesn't fit the formula that you're operating under. Because grace doesn't fit in formulas. Pharisees, they had a whole set of rules. This can't be, this can't be because, because we know, we know this man breaks the Sabbath. That's what they say. They have a rule. Some of the Pharisees say, this man's not from God. He doesn't he does keep the Sabbath. So he can't be from God because that's the rule. We know the rules. But it says, the others said, how can a sinner perform such signs? And, and they're confused because grace doesn't fit the rules. There are rules. There were actually rules. There were rabbinic rules against spitting. Yeah. And that he spit and then made mud on the Sabbath. Now he's working too. He's just breaking all the rules. We know he can't be from God. See, that's the problem. Grace is messy. It doesn't fit the formulas. It doesn't fit the rules. And even his parents don't want to get involved in the mess. Because they know, they know that anybody who starts claiming that Jesus is the Messiah, they're going to get thrown, they're going to get thrown out of the synagogue. And so when they're approached with the whole thing, this is what they say. Well, we know he's our son. And we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. We don't want to get involved. We don't want to know. You just, he, he's of age. He'll speak for himself. In other words, I'm going to stay within the rules. Grace doesn't do that. Grace goes beyond the rules. Grace doesn't fit in a formula. Grace is messy. And I think if we are going to continue to extend grace, if we will be a grace-filled community, then, then, then not just as a church, but individually, we have to let go of our preconceptions and, and let go of those assumptions that we have about people in their pain. And start looking at them the way that Jesus did. I love what Andy Stanley says. He says, when you see somebody in their mess, before you start criticizing or before you start making a judgment about it, just let this phrase pass through your mind. I know a mess when I see one because I am one. (laughs) Because you see, when you understand how God's grace fixed your mess, and continues to fix your mess over and over and over again, when you understand that, you start looking at people differently. See, people who have received the messy grace of God have got to be willing to get messy in extending grace with other people. Everybody has an opinion about what's happened to this man and why. Everybody has an opinion of of, of how it ought to be. What's interesting to me is everybody has an opinion, but nobody throws a party. Nobody throws a party. Think about that. Here is a guy who has been blind from birth. Everybody in town knows him as the beggar who sits at the gate. I would think that would be at least worth a couple of candles and a birthday cake or something, you know? But that's the way it is. When When you're bound by rules and formulas and regulations, you miss out on the party. And God's grace is creating parties all over this world. And if you're going to get in on the party, you've got to get willing, be willing to get messy with grace. This, I love this. I love this. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's debating the whole thing. They push him on the deal. And he doesn't care a whit about their formulas. He doesn't care a whit about, their, great, about their, their wonderful laws and rules and regulations. He just simply says this. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. What I do know is... I was blind, 
Now I see. And 2,000 years later, we sing a song with those words in it. Because grace is willing to get messy. And one more thing about it. Grace is messy because it doesn't give up when times get difficult. What happens is his life in many ways gets messier. Um, You could almost say that his life would have been better off if he had not been healed. Because what happens is he ends up getting thrown out of the synagogue. The Pharisees say to him, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Now, here's what you understand. To get thrown out of the synagogue was not just getting told you can't come to church anymore. Because, like, you know, we can just go down the street and find another non-denominational synagogue for us to join. (laughs) You didn't have that. See, there was one synagogue in the village. And the synagogue was the center of community life. Everybody went to synagogue. See, so, so to be thrown out of the synagogue is to be separated from the life of the community. Also, they didn't have welfare or food stamps or any of those things. All of that kind of stuff happened through the synagogue. So his source of support and care, that was all gone. In fact, he is now separated from his family because they're not willing to stick up for him. They want to stay in the synagogue. Nobody wants to be thrown out of synagogue, but he gets thrown out. And with that comes all the social stigma. If you thought it was bad being blind, now you're like a non-person. Jesus doesn't abandon him. In fact, when Jesus finds out, it says, when Jesus found out, he goes and finds him. Jesus found that he had been thrown out. He went and found him and said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now remember, he had never seen Jesus. The last time he had talked with Jesus, he was walking around with mud on his eyes. So he'd never seen Jesus. He has no idea. You know, maybe slightly kind of the voice sounds a little familiar. But Jesus seeks him out. And that's what grace does. Grace always takes the initiative. Grace keeps pushing forward. Jesus finds him and asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the answer is, I would if I knew who it was. (laughs) Who is this guy? Tell me who it is. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Jesus says to him, with just a touch of irony, you're looking at him. (laughs) You're looking at him. You have seen him, the one who's speaking to you. It's me. And it is ironic to me that the only one in the story that gets to see Jesus for who he really is, is the one who had been blind all along. And all of the ones who thought they could see clearly didn't see Jesus was a Messiah. I think Jesus seeks him out because he wants us to know that God loves messy people. Messy people are loved by God. They are not cursed by God, which means that your mess and my mess does not disqualify us. In fact, in fact, it is our very mess that opens up the door to God's grace. Because the only way that you become a recipient of God's grace is your willingness to admit, I'm a mess. (laughs) And the moment, the moment I come to the reality that I open my eyes to the mess that I am in, 
I am right on the door of God's grace. And the only one who really gets to see Jesus as the Messiah is the one who had been blind. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Would you bow your heads with me? And do those of you on our Vallejo campus as well, with your heads bowed, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond because I really do believe every time we learn from God's word, there's a response there for us. So your campus director is going to be there to, to walk you through this, this time. But I, right here, here in the Benicia campus, what I want to ask you is a couple of questions. Who in your life is in a mess right now? Maybe it's of their own doing. or Maybe it just happened to them. But there's somebody in your life right now that's in the middle of a mess. Instead of judging, criticizing, trying to find blame. Could you get down and get messy with them? Could you come alongside them in their mess and be a part of extending God's grace to them? You're here today and you know someone who's going through a real messy time right now and needs someone to just come alongside to be the extension of God's grace to them. I'm going to encourage you. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you. Make a decision today. Say, I'm going to be a part of God's grace in that mess. And that's not going to be easy because it means you're probably going to have to get messy. You're going to have to give up some of your time and some of your, uh, your valuable assets maybe. But, but maybe you could be an extension of God's grace there. And if you're willing to say, God, I will be your grace in that mess. I want to pray for you. And if that describes your situation right now and you want to make that commitment, would you just raise your hand and hold it up for a moment? Yeah, 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 yep, yeah, 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 yep. Mm. Yeah, a lot of messes out there. <laughs> yeah. Now maybe you are the one in the middle of a mess. And maybe it is even of your own doing, but you're willing to say, God, I can't fix this. I need your grace right now. I need your strength. I need the hope that you are with me in the middle of my mess, even though I brought it on myself. But today you're willing to say, it is a mess, and I can't fix it. God, would you join me here and bring your healing, bring your restoration, bring your forgiveness. Again, if I could pray for you on that one. Would you raise your hand? Hold it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Last one. Maybe you're here today and you've never really admitted the mess you've made of things. Maybe the whole reason you're here today is because you know Life's kind of messy for you right now. You got yourself into a mess. And maybe for the very first time, you're willing to say, God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your restoration. And maybe you've never done this before, but for you, it's a very first time decision to just turn over the mess and let Jesus address it. Same thing. Would you just raise your hand and hold it up for a moment and catch my eye and I'm going to pray with you and lead you in a prayer as we close.
All right. Yeah. So I'm going to invite you to just make this your prayer. Join me. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you don't stand far off and look at the mess and say, ah, ah, what a mess. That it's our mess that you came to fix. It's our mess that you came to, to restore and to renew. And God, this morning, so many of us have raised hands and saying, you know, I'm in the middle of a mess right now or, or I know someone who's in the middle of a mess and I want to be a part of your grace. And we need your strength, Lord. We need your help. We need your intervention in our lives and, and in the lives of those around us. And some of us, some of us here have said for the very first time, God, I'm tired of living in the mess. I need your grace. I pray that they would know that in this simple prayer, that you hear, that you respond, and that you are there bringing wholeness, restoration, healing, and grace, forgiveness. So Lord, we lift up these things to you, and we admit the mess. We pray, let your grace wash over it. However it needs to work out, however you can work in us, God, we put our lives in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.